Sani Bonani. That means hello in Swazi. I recently returned from a short missions trip to Swaziland, Africa, and it was life-changing for me, not just because of the change of scenery, but the things that God did in my heart. That was my prayer. I didn't want to just go on a vacation. I wanted God to work in my heart through the things that I saw, through the people that I met, and by the Spirit of God. The title of this message today is, Have You Seen Jesus? In John chapter 12, it says, Certain Greeks came up to worship in Jerusalem at the feast, and they found Philip, a disciple of Jesus, and they said, Sir, sir, we would see Jesus. What a great request. What a great purpose. They came up to worship, and they said, Philip, we want to see Jesus. I want to ask you today, are you looking for Jesus? Are you even looking for Jesus? Would you know Him if you saw Him? There are many opinions in the world today about Jesus, but who is He really? There are documentaries made, there are movies made, but who is He? Matthew sixteen thirteen through 15 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? How you and I answer this question determines our eternal destiny. Jesus said, what do people say? Who do they, who do they say I am? What are the crowds saying? Different opinions. Some Elijah, some John the Baptist raised from the dead, some Jeremiah. But Jesus turned to his disciples and said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Simon Peter answered Jesus and said, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the long-awaited one that was prophesied about that Moses said, God will raise up from among your brethren a prophet like unto me. Him shall you hear and everything he says to you. Listen to him. God's going to raise up a prophet. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Jesus was that prophet and more than a prophet. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered Peter and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter, you didn't get this understanding by some man telling you this. It didn't come in the natural. It came as a revelation from my Father. Blessed are you. You didn't receive this from flesh and blood, but my Father revealed it to you, Peter. Peter understood who Jesus was by a, listen, a revelation from God. If we are to know the true Jesus, we must have a revelation from the Father. It is great to gain knowledge from the Scriptures and Bible study and church, but my friend, you need the Spirit of God to bring that truth to life to you, to make it a reality deep in your inner man. The natural man cannot comprehend by intellectual power the things of the Spirit. I'll say that again. The natural man or the natural mind cannot comprehend by intellectual power the things of the Spirit. You could have a PhD in theology and be a total stranger to the Son of the living God. You will never apprehend the knowledge of Jesus by a high IQ, but only by lowliness of spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't say blessed are the poor in pocketbook. He said blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.3 When I was in Swaziland, I saw a lot of poverty. I saw believers, Christian people, who were poorer than America's poorest. There, if you're poor, you can't just go to a hospital if you're sick. You probably die. The poverty there is, is a, it's amazing compared to here. It gives you a change of perspective of how much we have here. What a, a bubble we live in in America. What a blessing. How many prosperous blessings we have. And yet it's hard to serve God in America. Sometimes because of those material riches around us. One man I met who was running an orphanage, a very poor orphanage. And the ministry I went with, they looked to go to the remote places, the places that tourists don't visit, the places that that don't get much funding. They're they're looking for the, the poorest of the poor, for the people that are truly destitute. We went to this backwoods place. We drove two, three hours to every village we went to. And this orphanage was probably two hours away. And we came to this rundown house, this little ranch house, the detached garage. They have no furniture. They have no power, no electricity. They have no plumbing. They have no running water. There's just a nasty outhouse. You've got to go, oh, you go to this nasty outhouse. They have very little in the terms of supplies. And this couple, this young couple, probably in their late 20s, educated, dressed nicely, could go and get a job in a city and, and make a decent living, have given everything to serve these little five- and six-year-old kids who are the poorest and they're, they're orphans. Most of them orphaned because their parents died of AIDS. And this couple has given everything for these children to pour into them the kingdom of God, to pour into them the truth of Jesus, to, to educate them, to give them an education in English and the basic things that most poor kids don't get. They've given everything. And yet they're not like, oh, poor me, and look what I've sacrificed. Or you got to give. You rich Americans got to give to us. No, it wasn't. There was no spirit like that. I talked to the man who's running the orphanage, and his name is Andile. He rises every morning at 4.30, and he he calls it his morning glory. It's my time with God, to be alone with God, to pray, to seek Him till 6 o'clock. And then then we prepare for the children to come, and then we teach the children Bible, and then we teach them English, and we teach them educational things. And as we spoke about the goodness of God, he said this. He said, it's not about your possessions, but about using everything you have to give so others can see God. His joy was incredible. It was incredible. And Dile had seen Jesus. He said, what matters is the will of God. He said, listen, money or no money, it's fine. What matters is the will of God. He said, where God is, there is everything. He said, these orphans that you see, they are not poor, but they are rich because God is here. Think about that. These kids are dirt poor. Some of them don't have a place to sleep and they can't sleep in the orphanage because there's no beds in that orphanage yet. It's only been running for a couple of years. Some of the orphans go back to their family, an uncle or an aunt, or some of them wander around. They're doing what they can and they said, God is rich. We're not poor. These children, these orphans are rich because God is there. And I tell you, I witnessed it. God is there. The joy of God was there. Joy like I don't see in America. Joy like I don't see in many Christians here because they're poor in spirit. Listen, religion doesn't bring joy. Jesus does. If you are lacking joy, start looking for Jesus. Don't stop with the superficial knowledge of Jesus. Ask God to reveal Jesus to you. When Moses asked God his name in Exodus chapter 3, 
God's reply was, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What a profound and mysterious name of God. I am tells us he is the self-existent God without beginning or ending. Isaiah tells us that not only is God eternal, but he inhabits eternity. He lives in eternity. He walks up and down eternity like I walk through the halls of my house. John 8.53, the Jews asked Jesus, Who do you make yourself out to be? Who are you? Listen to what Jesus said. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, Now remember, Jesus lived somewhat, I think, over a thousand years after Abraham. But he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You're not even 50 years old, and yet you have seen Abraham? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Whoa! Jesus using the name that God used to Moses. Jesus saying, Before Abraham was, I am. I am one with the Father. I am the self-existent eternal God. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple and going through the midst of them and so passed by. It wasn't his time yet. Why did they try to stone Jesus to death? Because he claimed to be I am. Because he claimed to be that same eternal God before Abraham, before all things. Let's look quickly or briefly at some of Jesus' great I am declarations. These are not in order, nor are they exhaustive, but they are awesome. Listen, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is very exclusive here, isn't he? He doesn't say, I'm one of the ways to God. There are many paths that lead to God. That's what the world says, isn't it? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Listen, he said, I am the way. He's the path. He's the journey to God. He said, I am the truth. In John 17, he said, thy word is truth. And then in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Listen, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to see Jesus, get into this book. Read it and then say, Jesus, come humbly to him and say, show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. Listen, in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, there were two disciples after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection, and the disciples didn't know that he was resurrected, and they were walking to Emmaus on the road, and a third man joined them. You know who that third man was? It was Jesus. But their eyes weren't closed, so they didn't recognize it was Jesus. And as they walked, he said, what are you talking about? They said, don't you know what's happened in Jerusalem? Haven't you heard about these things? This man, Jesus, we thought he was going to be the Messiah. He was a great man of God. He did all these mighty things. What have you been? Have you been under a rock? And Jesus is like, well, tell me. And as they walked, it says he opened the Scriptures to them. He spoke to them. The Word of God. He spoke to them about himself throughout the Scriptures. All the way from the Old Testament in Genesis. All the way through, through Malachi. They still didn't know it was him. And then he acted like he, they got to a location. He acted like he was going to keep going. They said, hey, stay with us. Stay with us. We want to hear more from you. And Jesus said, okay, I'll stay with you. Listen, Jesus will stay with the one who really wants him. And Jesus took bread and he broke it like he did at the Last Supper. And it says, their eyes were opened. They recognized, it's you. Jesus, it's you. You're alive from the dead. 
and then he vanished from their sight. And listen to what they said. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up to us the scriptures? Listen, these men knew the scriptures. They had been in the Bible. But at that point, Jesus was a stranger to them. They needed revelation. They needed Jesus to open up who he was. And he did it while they walked with him by the way. Their eyes were opened. They understood. It's Jesus. God wants to open your eyes. He wants your heart to burn when you read this book. When you get into this book, he doesn't want you falling asleep and say, oh, okay, I did my duty. I read my chapter. He wants you to say, my heart is burning within me. I'm seeing Jesus. He's alive to me. He's real to me. Praise God. My friend, he has that for every one of you who are saved and believing in Jesus Christ. He wants your heart to burn. He wants to come alive to you. He wants to come off the pages of this book and be real to you in every area of your life. Praise God. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. God's Word says, He that has the Son, He that has the Son who possesses Him has life. He that doesn't have the Son does not have life. Do you have the Son? Well, I know many of you do. What a privilege we have. This glorious God. He's ours. This God is our God. This great I Am is our God, our Savior. Listen, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus wasn't talking about physical hunger, physical thirst. He's talking about to satisfy your soul. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me will never hunger. He that believes in me will never thirst. Why is it so many of us are looking for satisfaction in the world if we have Jesus? Have we bought the lie of the advertisers that are constantly saying, you can't be satisfied without blank, fill in the blank, this or that or this or that? you got to have this. My friend Jesus said, I satisfy. If you come to me by faith, I will fill your heart. That's what I saw in Africa among the believers. I saw a satisfaction. Could they use more supplies? Yes. Could they use electricity and a fridge and some beds and some writing stuff for the kids in the orphanage? Yes, they could. But they said where God is, there's everything. They are rich in Him. They're not begging and waiting for America to fill their need. They're satisfied in Him. Friend, we can be too. It's so easy to be distracted with all that's pulling for our attention, isn't it? I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself too. So easy. Jesus said, come to me. I am the bread of life. Then Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8, 12. Those who look for and follow Jesus will not wander aimless in this life. They will be directed by His light. And that light is not some dim, vague, mystical guidance. Listen, in Revelation twenty two sixteen, another I am. Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus' light is bright. Paul said of Jesus' light, he said it was brighter than the sun in its full strength. Listen, if you will come to Jesus, who is the light of the world, he will give you guidance for every area in your life. Practical guidance. Where do I go to school? Where do I work? Who do I marry? What should I do? Jesus delights to give us his light. He delights to give us his light. And it's bright. If you will follow him, you won't walk in darkness. To follow Jesus implies submission. He that follows me will not walk in darkness. If we're following him, we must submit to him. 
Friends, let's let go of the control of our lives and follow Jesus. You know why we have so much confusion and we don't know what to do and we're so anxious? We're still holding on to control. God, I'm going to guide my own life. That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is in simplicity and trust like a little child. Let's let go. Let's let go of the control. He will lead us out of the darkness and confusion of our self-will into His glorious bright light. He will lead us with His light and He also leads us as our good shepherd. Another I am statement, John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. Psalm 23. How many of you know Psalm 23? It tells us the Lord is our shepherd. He supplies all of our needs. He leads us into those peaceful green pastures and beside restful waters of peace. And he restores our souls. Listen, all these benefits in Christ. Supplying our needs, not just our material needs, but our spiritual needs. Bringing us into peace, restoring us when we're beat down by the monotony and the things that are always hitting us in this world. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. All these benefits are coming from him giving his life for the sheep. Oh, the wondrous cross of our good shepherd. We sang it today. Oh, the wondrous cross, Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Right, after, right before this, Jesus said another I am statement. He said, I am the door. If any man enter in by me, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The saying is that in old days that the shepherd would have uh, some type of fence or enclosure of stone. And for the gate or the door for the sheep, he'd bring the sheep in at night. The shepherd himself would lie down and he would be the door. He would prevent any wild animal from coming in and he would make sure that his sheep were kept safe. Jesus laid down his life. He is that door. He is that good shepherd. The cross is a boring enigma to the lost and the blind. I'm telling you. I preach the cross before and I see just some people just fall asleep. But to those that are saved, it to the sheep, it is the fountain of unsearchable treasures and blessing. I ask you again, what are your goals in life? What are you looking for to satisfy? Are you looking for Jesus? It is the highest pursuit possible. It's the highest thing that you can, can aim for is to look for Jesus. But there is a condition or a caveat if you're to find Him. You must look for Him with a sincere heart. Not a perfect heart, not a sinless heart, but a sincere heart. He is so merciful. He longs for sincere yet sinful people to look for Him so He can cleanse them of their sins. So He can receive them and give them eyes to see Him that He's the great I Am. That He will make your heart burn within you when He reveals Himself to you. Listen, I'm going to talk about a few people that looked for Jesus, some for right reasons and some for wrong. Herod. Remember when Jesus was before Pilate and He was being tried before Pilate and then Pilate's like, you know what, I'm not getting anywhere. And he heard that Jesus was also under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod and Pilate were enemies up to that time. He thought, you know what, I'm going to send Jesus to Herod. So he sent Jesus to Herod. Now listen to this. It says, now when Herod saw Jesus... He was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him. Well, that sounds good. I mean, it sounds like Herod's just about to get saved, right? When he saw Jesus, he was exceedingly happy. He, lo- he wished to see him for a long time. But Herod's heart was not right. Look at what it says. Because he, Herod had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see what? Some miracle done by Jesus. But Jesus answered him not a word. Jesus was silent. Jesus did not perform a miracle for Herod. Listen, Herod wanted to see Jesus to perform for him. 
to entertain him, to prove himself to him with a miracle. Well, show me you're the son of God. Then I'll believe. I'll bow down and worship you. I'll lay down my robes and my authority. You show me. Perform a miracle, Jesus. Come on, I want to see. I've heard a lot about you. Entertain me. There are people looking for Jesus to entertain them, to perform for them. Listen, friends. We're the creature. He's the creator. We are nothing. He is the self-existent, almighty God. He will not perform on command. He was silent to Herod. If your heart is not right, you can look for Jesus, but you won't see him. He won't speak to you. Remember the sinful woman who fell at Jesus' feet with the alabaster perfume? She washed his feet with her tears of repentance and love, and she just worshipped him. People were offended. What? If Jesus were a prophet, he'd know that this woman is a sinful woman. She's been around the block many times, and I know the guys she's been around with. I'm paraphrasing. That's what the man who had invited Jesus into her home said in his heart, and then he said it to Jesus. Jesus said, Simon, if a man owed 500 pounds and another owed 50 and the master forgave them both, who would love him more? And he said, well, probably the one that owed him more, 500. Yeah, you rightly judged. Those that have been forgiven much love much. This woman was looking for Jesus. And when she found him, she didn't care who was around. She didn't care about the reputation of the men or the people around her. What did they think of her? She didn't care. She fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. With her tears, with her love, with her heart. And Jesus would not push her away. My friends, come to Jesus not just for what he gives you, but for him, for himself. He's our reward. He is our, he's the one we should be worshiping. Remember Mary, mother of Jesus, when Jesus was 12 years old? Remember she went to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast and Jesus, the 12 year boy, they left Jerusalem, go back to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph, and they're in a big caravan and they're like, okay, well, where's Jesus? You know, I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, it's been like 24 hours. I'm sure he's with Aunt and Uncle Susie over there. I mean, I'm sure he's around somewhere, right? And they start looking for Jesus in the caravan. Where is Jesus? He's not here. Oh, no. We left our child. We left our child in Jerusalem. I've heard people tell me that their parents left them at a rest stop. You know, they were on a trip, road trip, left their kid at the rest stop and didn't come back for an hour. That's pretty bad. But Jesus was gone from his parents for three days. They turned around, went back to Jerusalem, looked for him for a day, and finally found him. And when they found Jesus, it says Mary was amazed. That means she's like, what are you thinking, child? Right? How could you do this to us? How could you do this to us? How would you feel as a mother? Do you think you'd be speeding? I mean, they didn't have, they had the camels, right? And they had maybe donkeys. (laughs) Right? Mary thought, this is very important that I get to Jesus. He needs me. I thought it was very important to get to church by 9.15 this morning. And the Franklin Police Department thought I was going a little fast and pulled me over. And thankfully, they, they gave me a warning. And I'm sure Mary was speeding. She was anxious. She was worried. She was going to find Jesus. I've got to find him. I've got to be with him. I'm his protector. Jesus was a unique child. He was fully human, but fully God. And where does she find Jesus? Sitting with the teachers in the temple, listening to them asking questions and giving them instruction. And he said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? You see, the kingdom of God is about the will of God. And we sometimes are like Mary. And we think what we've got to do for Jesus is so important. It's so important. Sometimes we get in the way of the will of God. 
because we think we're too important. I want to tell you something, friends. God doesn't need you, and He doesn't need me. He's Almighty God. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your skill. He doesn't need your service. He really doesn't. But it's His good pleasure to use you and I, to use broken people that come to Him humbly and say, God, I don't know what you can do with me, but please use me. It's His pleasure. Do you understand that? He doesn't need us, but it's His pleasure. One of the things God showed me on this trip was just to get out of the way. Get out of the way of my glory here. Get out of the way and focus on me and my kingdom and focus on others. It's not about you, Aaron. It's about these people that you're serving. That is where I saw Jesus. That's where I saw Jesus. John the Baptist had a clear revelation of Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit had told him, you're going to have a ministry. It's going to be a simple ministry, John. It's going to be to prepare the way for Messiah. You know how many sermons John had? One. One sermon. One message. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Turn from your sins and prepare to meet the Savior. That was his message. John performed no miracles. Not one miracle. Listen to this. But John saw the Messiah. The Holy Spirit told him, when you see a man coming toward you and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, that's the man. And when John saw him, he said, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. John knew it immediately. That's him. And John rejoiced to see Christ. He rejoiced. Jesus came to him and said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. I'm submitted to my Father. He said, I'm paraphrasing, I need to be baptized by you. John baptized Jesus. Listen, John said this, I must, people came to him and said, Jesus or John, guess what? You know all those crowds that came to you to hear your message? All those crowds that came to you at the Jordan River to to hear you preach and to see his fire and thunder brimstone preaching and to get baptized by you? Well, guess what, John? Your numbers are going down. The crowds are diminishing, and you know what? They're going over to Jesus. Your ministry is declining, John. You know what John said? He must increase. I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. Listen, this is the kingdom of God. If you're going to be great, if you're going to actually be used by God and have His power and His kingdom in your life, you must get lower. You must decrease. I must decrease. Listen, for John, only God's glory mattered. Doing the will of God was his highest pleasure. My friend Andile, the minister that was running the orphanage, said, he said to me, he said, you know what? Money or no money, it's fine. What matters is the will of God. Doing the will of God was John the Baptist's highest pleasure. John was pleased, listen, to have his own personal ministry fade away so that Jesus would be lifted up. For John, God's glory would include losing his ministry, imprisonment, and being beheaded for his testimony for Jesus. But Jesus said of John that he was a bright and a shining light. That among anyone that had been born of women from the beginning of creation until that time, no one was greater than John. John performed no miracle. He had one simple message. But John's whole purpose was to glorify God. It was the will of God, not John's will. John got out of the way and the brightness of Christ shone through him. 
I want to close with a final I am statement from Jesus. And I said this before, John 10, 7 says, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. If any man enter by me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I want to bless you as your good shepherd. I want to be the great I am to you. So many things I didn't even share today. Impossible to share in one sermon. But Jesus said, you're on the outside. I want you on the inside of the sheepfold. But you've got to come through me. I'm the door. Jesus didn't say you've got to perform a lot of, of rituals or works or you've got to change your life. You've got to do this or you've got to do that. He said, believe me. Repent. Be willing to turn from your sins and believe in me. Believe in me that I am the Son of God. That I lived the perfect life. That I went to the cross so you could be forgiven. And I rose again the third day. And I'm coming again. Jesus said, come through me. I'm the door. Faith like a child will save you. Looking to Jesus by faith will save you. I want to invite you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, He is the Good Shepherd. He is the door. He's the way to the Father. He's the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You are so awesome. Your Son is so amazing. And I thank You that You've called us to come into Your presence, Lord. To become a sheep through faith in Jesus Christ. And to be kept and protected and shepherded by You. Lord, I pray that You'd make us people that are looking for Jesus. Lord, that we wouldn't be satisfied with head knowledge and Bible verses, but Lord, we'd say, Jesus, I need You to reveal Yourself to me. Be alive to me. Be real to me. Show me what I don't see. Use my life for Your glory. I want to invite you today, if you're here, and Jesus is calling you to enter through Him, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Just slip up your hand. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. If you'd pray along with me, if you're, if you're already saved, please pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the door and the only way to the Father. I put my faith in you and trust in you as best as I know how. I ask you to save me, to receive me into your kingdom as your child, in Jesus' name, amen.